There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Record. Recording. Okay. Hello Egg Chasers and welcome to this, the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, the podcast about rugby that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously and here to talk about Six Nations and what a weekend. We're here in the Rugby Dungeon uh, with JB right there. Hello Timothy. With Phil right there. Hello Tim. I'm Tim and uh, yeah, you can find us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. Funnily enough, the last few weekends we've been attempting to be streaming on uh, YouTube. I understand today, miraculously... All of the ducks are in a line, and you've managed to get so it all far, working so this, this time, JB. It's all about the Wi-Fi connection, so I'm sure it will let us down at some point. But as things stand, we're okay. So it's nothing to do with your willpower this week, particularly to get it working. <laughs> yes, I mean, no, there's nothing, nothing, nothing to do with that. <laughs> uh, I mean, there's there's really only one big and main talking point today. So let's start with it. Um, Friday night. Wales, England, and the fantastic performance by England's women, 51-12. Yeah, well, the big well win. said. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if we, can, if we can knock off an hour on that game. Yes. Well, I, oh, that... I, I would like to talk at length about each one of Sarah Burns' tries. Yeah, well, hang yes. on a minute, hang on a minute. That isn't the real big game. I thought you were going to go somewhere else, Tim. The real big game was on Friday night, where, you know, in um, the words of most ageing rock groups, we got the band back together. Uh, oh, and we, we played did. veterans rugby, even though I, I don't think I'm a veteran for the record. I don't think I'm there yet. You're, you're about a month off being a veteran, aren't you? Is there an official age for veterans? I think 35 and over, isn't it? Oh, my word. I'm well, I'm still playing regularly, so... Comfortably a veteran, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk about that in a little bit, for sure. But come on, let's let, let's start in the Principality Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Firstly, uh, like, how amazing is it that... Rugby can take you through that whirlwind of emotions. Oh my word! Isn't it incredible? The 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 highs, the highest highs when Tom Curry scored, yeah, and some of the hits that Tom Curry put in. The lowest lows as that second half as an Englishman watching that dreadful, dreadful second half performance, and you just felt it was ebbing away. And then when it when reality hit home, and Wales went into the lead, and then the the Josh Adams try, which was. The complete opposite, I imagine, if you were a Welshman, JB. Yes, but it just—it's just fantastic that that 
this this sport can do this to, to us and that that nervous energy I feel so <laughs> rarely the I feel so rarely I, I don't feel it when I'm like you know, I don't feel I, I don't mean, feel it when I'm working or anything that yeah. same like, nervous energy really support any teams anymore and I include Wales in in, in that I mean there's little glimpses of like yes I want to I want them to win because I'm Welsh but I'm more into it because you know it may, will make a good podcast frankly um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I had that same nervousness which like um. Yeah, I really want this to go the way that I want it to go. That is, uh, yeah, that, that's how I, I watch. Well, that is amazing. the most important thing, isn't it? It is for me. Yes, it is for me. Well, to, to add insult to injury, I, I, I actually prepared uh, during, you know, just before half time. I prepared my tweet for full time when I would list off a, a, a load of Welsh names and then say your boys took a hell of a beating. Well, I mean, the easiest oh, way to do Tim. that, Tim, is to. Uh, Look through BBC Wales and just pick off every B-list celebrity that they get to do one of those <laughs> cringeworthy, you know, grabbing the badges. I'm, the worst one for that. Oh, he didn't do it for rugby actually, but he was at, he was at the game and he's not even Welsh. Um, Grant from EastEnders, what's his name? Ross Kemp. Ross yeah. Kemp. Oh my! He heard, God. He, heard he was going to kick off. Going to kick off. <laughs> he did like topless ones on Twitter, didn't he? For the, this is everything. Yeah, yeah during the, World, the Cup. World Cup, the football World Cup. You, you will never know how much this means to me. <laughs> I wonder if he's got the same dealer as um, as Will Greenwood. Same. <laughs> yeah, Tim, so, Tim so, you cursed it because JB, JB cursed it last. I said on the podcast last week, JB, you've cursed it by predicting an England win. Yeah, oh, Tim, it's... you you compounded the curse and well, guaranteed the England tweet I lose. prepared was. Tom Jones, Gareth Edwards, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Neil Kinnock, Neil Max, Kinnock, good one, <laughs> Max Boyce, JPR Williams, Rob Bryden, Anthony Hopkins, Sh- Hopkins Welsh, Shirley yeah. Bassey, Ryan Giggs, Aled Jones, Big Brother 2's Helen Adams, <laughs> <laughs> Shane Howarth. Your boys took a hell of a beat. <laughs> Brett Simkinson. <laughs> oh, oh, I never got to send that tweet. Oh no, uh, maybe, maybe in the World Cup. Yeah. We'll Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. So, the game. Mm. Well, I think it's important to go back before the game because okay. how did this even happen? That'd be my question. Well, well, because they, I think they, like, set, they set off too late on Friday. Maybe, maybe Gats was right yeah. about that. They, well, they, I, you know, I put out. I did some work for a betting company, which I got a lot of stick for over over, over this last <laughs> week. Maybe when, when, did, when did you do that? By the way, four weeks ago. Yeah, and you know, it sort of aged. Appropriately. Well, then it, then it came rapidly back into fashion, which yeah, was nice. it did. <laughs> so that was good. Um, so I looked at these teams and I picked uh, me and. Um, sorry, I'm just trying to think though. Yeah. So we picked. Uh, so it was you and Ali Stokes, wasn't yes, it? Yes, me and Ali Stokes. We picked our, our 15s, combined 15s of the two teams. Right? And actually, I think England had a far better 15. I think we've got a better pool of players. Um, and come Saturday morning. I was completely disappointed. There's no way Wales can win this. I thought Wales were going to go down to a historic beating at the hands of Eddie Jones's team. Well, we we had a coffee. Uh, really? Yeah, we had a coffee on Saturday morning, and I was reiterating the point that I made, which was well, three separate points all linked together, which was how Wales could win the game. Your you, your three point plan for Wales's victory was prophetic. Frankly, it was, yeah, it was almost too good. It was almost. It, it, I mean, I wouldn't. Have been surprised if Warren Gatlin in his post-match chat had said, "Oh mate, I was listening to Ig Chasers and uh, <laughs> Full Jesus. gave a three-point plan to win." 
and th- that was the game plan we put in put in place. Sorry, I, New Zealand is one of the hardest accents to do. <laughs> See, chops all the same. Chops, chops, chops. Um, and yeah, so I I reiterated that on Saturday morning, and you kind of laughed in my face and told uh, well, me I was insane. I think your, your three point I mean, plan was look, just to remind me because because I because I was watching the game in the second half going. Oh my God, Phil, so bloody right. One, well, no, during the game, one, stopping and scoring early. Tick. Yeah, that was that was really impressive. Uh, and a really good point for Phil to make. Two, uh, counter that kicking game. And yeah, prevent England from finding grass with the kicking game was, yep. was the biggest point, but counter it by yep. any means necessary. Yeah, and then was the, th- was the third one frustrate it was some it, key guys like Sinks and Faz? It was that combined with forcing them to make penalty to give away penalties mm. and that is that is an example of one way you can do it but just be an absolute nuisance around the breakdown around the rook area and wales did all of those things. and i, I said i, I would if, add to, i would add to that but the, the 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 way for wales winning that i suggested was get to ben youngs get to ben youngs yeah he did not have a good game that. he really didn't and they did a number on him yeah and it, as a result and i think the two are related farrell had a particularly bad game he, d- he did. Ben Youngs is like the barometer for England, isn't he? He is, because he really can go off the boil rapidly. Yes. I mean, his best games he's like, yeah. are sensational. He's sort of like fresh fish. He can be delicious. <laughs> he can very, very quickly go well, and, and, and in Eddie Jones's tenure, when you think of England playing amazingly well, Ireland, in Ireland this season, Australia down under, Ben Youngs was like the man. He can be very good. He yeah. can be really good. I mean, the whole England team can be really good. I mean, I'm amazed. I, you know, if you asked me to predict it again for tomorrow, I'd still predict an England win based on the players players available. Um, and I'll tell you what, if you swap these two coaches, and I don't think they'll ever swap directly, but I think Gatland will probably be considered for England, as he should be. I think England would absolutely annihilate Wales. Annihilate them. I mean, I, I thought it was more tactical naivety on Jones's part than anything else. I mean, he should be winning these games. He's had three years with these lads. You know, that was a winnable game. And if they want to win a World Cup, they've got some serious issues to answer. All right, so wh- how much do you think, if we said England lost it, Wales won it, how, how would we put that on that on that spectrum? Yeah, it's a good question. I think that. Wales won it. I think Wales won it with smarter game planning. I'll give you an example. i tell you what I thought was really smart, was how Wales attacked England Ruck. And I don't mean... At ruck time, we're making it a mess. I mean, we're on the fringes of it with with these little pick and goes. I was watching it and thinking, I would never have thought to do that because I'm scared of the English pack and, the, and their power. But what that allowed them to do is not get caught by the English line speed because they're so effective at getting on their feet, of you know, getting that energy, the enthusiasm, the double hits. It's absolutely monstrous. But if you're picking and going around the fringes, you can't do that, and your boys are, are on the floor. And I thought that's so clever. Like that is a small, the small differences that Gatlin brings that I don't think Jones can really do. And it, that's mm. it's a really interesting point because Gatlin actually referenced that in his post-match press conference. And there's a lot of people flagging Wales to throw it wide, throw it wide early, especially with Anscombe playing, in order to exploit to test England where they'd not been tested in the Six Nations so far around mm. the fringes. And Gatland actually referenced and said, we didn't want to do that. We backed ourselves, particularly in the red zone, to use the pick-and-go game. And it was the, the 34th phase. I love it. That Corey Hill scored what was the decisive British try British and Irish Lion, Corey, Corey Hill. Hill. Thank yeah. you. He's his full title. Yeah. The Lions pairing at, at Lock, eh? That was because a lot of people, all three of us, 
included would not have backed Wales to get the better of England no, in that pick and go game. I mean, I don't know how I would go about constructing a game plan to beat England. I would never have thought of that in a million years. No. And when they did go and play off of Ainscombe, you had Tom Curry, Courtney Laws waiting there, Carl Sinclair waiting there to absolutely smash him, and they did. I'll tell you what I was uh, a little bit, well, very wrong about, was the effectiveness of the, back, of the Welsh back row. I thought Wales were going to get hammered here. Curry obviously did very well. Uh, but Moriarty proved himself to be more than just a flat track bully. Because mm. I, I, I'm certain that's, that's all he was. No, that's completely wrong. I thought Tipperick tends to be a bit too, too flashy. Uh, hangs around in the channels, wants those sort of inside centre, uh, outside centre balls. No, he was brilliant. Uh, and um, Navidi is more than just just energy. He's actually a legitimately good player. He can be a little nuggety, yeah. tough. Yeah. So you've got Salupe Falatal to come back into that. Uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting for Wales if they can continue this run of form. Yeah. I think we've uh, just just again. Uh, we want to talk about the game, not talk about you, JB, too much. But I will say, I think there's one thing maybe we've learned out of this process is you should stick to your guns, mate. You should, you should. <laughs> you're, 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 there's a little bit sometimes where you can be like Jeremy Corbyn on Brexit. When you stand, when you stand for everything, you end up standing so for nothing. Because, <laughs> <laughs> as you well, as you mentioned on that bet eight 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 video, which you got so much stick for, by the way, from loads of people in the Facebook comments that went with it. Um, who are now got egg on their face because what, yeah. you, what you said in that was on the money what you said on our podcast last week was diametrically opposed to that so there are two things going on here <laughs> there is there's, there's, cli- there's climate and there's weather to, uh, to, <laughs> to, 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 to quote scientists um, I think the long like the long term trends are pretty much I've pretty much established where, what I think about England I don't really know much about Wales but I've pretty much established what I know about England that said I don't know what they're going to do eat, like, each and every game so like, I still think all those things about Farrell. I think Farrell's a world... If he's not world-class, he's very close to being world-class. But he has a tiny chink in his armour. And it just seems to get get exploited at the biggest of times. He is a far better player all round than Dan Bigger. If we threw them both onto like a running track and then made them lift weights and then range of passing and made them... Well, like an sevens, NFL combine type yeah, setup. yeah. That, uh, Dan Bigger's going to get smashed. But whereas Farrell lacks that 5%, Dan Bigger has it has it in spades. He has five percent in spades, if that makes any sense. Right? <laughs> so he does a few things. He's got one hundred and ten percent of five percent. Yes, exactly right. So like he does. Um, got a whole fuck, I got a whole shed of spades here. <laughs> <laughs> so like he does just really basic things in extraordinarily mm. difficult situations, and he that's does. why he's so good. And he got the, he came on. It it coincided with the. The kind of pendulum really swinging in Wales's favour. Oh, he got time. the two assists for the tries as well. The final, Did he? the final pass he was playing scrum half for the final pass to Curry Hill, and the crossfield kick to Josh Adams was his oh, his vision. What, he just fills me with so much confidence. Uh, like if I if you, if he's playing, you just have a feeling he knows what he's doing. I'm sure that that's exactly the same with Farrell. But he seems to. And by the way, this is not a bad Farrell game by any stretch. I thought well, he did all right actually. I think so. Farrell, if you look at his individual involvements, so he tackled he tackled well, he carried pretty well, his passing was good, his kicking and his decision of when to kick and when not to yeah, kick, yeah. it was it, it it gave so much good territory and possession away. And when it the, the most frustrating thing is at half time when it hadn't worked. It didn't work well in that first half, that kicking game, they got they're actually the territory 
and possession that England got was from exploiting turnovers, from forcing mistakes from Wales deep in England's twenty-two or deep in England's half, and he didn't seem to recognise it. And Eddie Jones and uh, what's the name, Wisemantle and John Mitchell, none of them seemed to recognise that that kicking approach wasn't working and they needed to change it up and that's Gat- why Gatlin listens to you like Eddie Jones needs to, <laughs> Eddie Jones needs to listen to you oh, it's so frustrating it watching that, that first half and thinking yeah they're in a good position but if you keep playing the same way you are well, going to come unstuck because like they do play so ferociously so if they're not absolutely battering you by half time or you know they're well on the front foot this can happen, and that's all. You know, that's what it was. They ran out of steam. You they, can't they play run, like that. And they did they, run out of steam. They didn't use their replacement. They've got an amazing oh, no. bench, one of the world's best benches, and it, most of it is sat there until hundred percent. Yeah, oh my god! Look, I'm, I'm is... just, I've got this written down. It's um, where is it? I've got this exactly. Oh yeah, I've, I've got just. I wrote one of the notes I wrote yesterday during the game was Youngs and Farrell have it not having uh, having not their best game. No trust in Robson or Ford. What does that tell you? Six months from a World Cup or nine months from a World Cup, whenever whatever it is. I know. Like that, that's that's a massive concern I just for me. Like, yeah. like you haven't got any faith in the guy that's backing up your, your player. I just think when Eddie Jones looks at his team and how they're playing, I don't think he looks at it and says, "Right, we need to do something different to what we're doing." I think he looks at his team and thinks, "More of the same, please." More of the same, but better. Who have I got on my bench that I can, that that, can do what but, I want, but better? But that's, that was one of the frustrating things. So the guy that I really would have brought on was Ellis Genge because England needed more characters. So they were, they, were, they were trying to carry hard. They were getting no change and they were kicking a hell of a lot. And it was all being returned with interest. They needed, because Billy Vunapola, who carried very well, but he was tiring fast. Yeah. And he was having to do more work because Laws went off injured. You had no marrow. You had no, Laws gone for the rest of Six Nations. No Mako. Yeah. So, so, and Sinclair goes off. So all your carriers disappear. You've got no Nathan Hughes on the bench. I was screaming for him to bring Genge on. He brought him on in the 76th or 77th minute. Stone Genge would have sorted it out. He, he wouldn't have solved everything, but no. he would have just given you another yeah, yeah. option. It's another option to do what he was doing. So, you know, he's not going to bring Cipriani back, but you know, Ford isn't a bad player. No, Ford, Ford is a very he's good. He's an excellent player. Ford is a superb is he, player. I guess the question is, is he... What is he? What Jones want? Jones wants? Is he going to change everything to play the well, forward way? Well, I guess the point being, I'm not saying you have to completely change your system every time you bring George Ford on, but and it's I'd, I'd look more at the scrum half one. Ben Youngs was not playing, was not playing well. And to not bring Dan Robson on, like, what, what's the point in having a backup nine that you are not right, you have no faith in yeah, yeah. Run. or you don't have sufficient faith in yeah I mean like, okay so Sail Shocks are very fortunate because they've got two world class nines um, <laughs> but even they bring off Faf de Klerk yeah. you know because they are expected to run so much and, and if you have if you have so little faith in Robson you've got two guys that he does clearly trust in Care and Wigglesworth why why are you not playing them yeah, because because if you're if you're trying to get Robson experience in case you need him in the World Cup, but you're not actually giving him any, any experience, yeah. you're losing on both counts. Yeah. I tell you a really interesting one. This is aside the point, really, but a, a really good difference between how Eddie Jones operates in Gatland. How long would Gareth Anscombe and Thomas Francis last under Eddie Jones? One training camp. Uh, I'm not sure they'd even make that. I mean, say he has to say it's Gary Graham, right? 
and he has to take him because <laughs> of political reasons, and that you know they force him on him. Do you reckon that the, the, I reckon they literally last one training session, <laughs> and like Gatlin is stuck with these lads to the point that they're almost good now. Well, I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, they're really coming on. Francis, Francis is fine. He's still he's still not a great player, but he's so much better. I know. Like it's it's astonishing how much better he is than when he first for the first few years of him playing. I completely agree. He was a punchline of joke. Yeah, oh, he yeah. was. For I remember years. once, like from Tinyhead, he managed to get like literally over the top. If you like crowd surfing on the opposition <laughs> squad, so this is a twenty stone man. How do you do that? And now look at him. You know well, he's doing fine. Well, for a moment, let's talk about his opposite number, Carl Sinclair. Um, does he deserve the stick that he's no, got? Absolutely not. I and completely stupid. agree. We, yeah, I, we're I think all in agreement. It, it's been made a media narrative because it was mentioned by Gatland, and Gatland was fair to mention it. Yeah, absolutely fair because yeah. we have game tape on Sinclair being an idiot. He but, Sinclair had a great game, and there was one bit of handbags five minutes before he got taken off, and everyone jumped on. I know. Oh, Sinclair's lost his rag. Nonsense. Yeah. Sinclair never lost his rag. Sinclair was superb. He's one of the best players on he the was, pitch. He, in my was view. he was immense, right? So, it's like, like, look, you don't buy, you, you don't buy a Rhodesian Ridgeback dog, and then get annoyed when it runs around ch- uh, chasing lions. Okay, <laughs> you, you, you buy it for a reason, and you put Sinclair on the on the pitch for a reason. That's what he's he, he's got a certain job. Now, I have referenced this in for Harlequins actually, rather than England, which is he's a nightmare. Marler's a nightmare. Ward's a nightmare. And maybe playing all three of them is a bit much. But when you play Sinclair, that's what he's there. He's to, there to be on the edge. Now, this is hypocritical because I say the same thing about Owen Farrell. Owen Farrell's like all tasty and I think he can he can turn it down. But there again, he's not a tight head prop either. Well, well Owen, yeah. I, I agree with you on Sinclair 100%. I thought he was outstanding. I thought it was, it's been ridiculous, the reaction, and it's unwarranted and it doesn't make any sense. It was a, a handbags at best and it was no more or less than than the majority of players on the pitch were doing. And yeah. So I, I thought he was great. Uh, and on the Owen Farrell thing, I actually think he didn't have a great game. His kicking was poor. You made his tackles, though. But, you did make his well, tackles. Make his tackles. And I actually thought he, he he was very composed. Bearing in mind that will have been as, as, as much of a cauldron. I thought he was fine. As a captain, as I, I, I think he was, uh, I think not he much was good again. Just didn't, just didn't play well. Just I think not well. much can be laid on any individual England no. player's door here no. I think it was a team a team defeat in the true sense of the word on yeah. Kyle Sinclair he uh, at one point his stats came up and he was listed as 5 foot 8 is that right is he, uh, get, is he getting shorter he's a huge man five he, foot he's eight. not that tall you see him when I he's I know that but I'm sure he's been listed as I'm high sure as that he's, before yeah. I'd say 6 foot surely is that the, uh, is that the impact of of international scrummaging <laughs> maybe so he's compressing your vertebrae Wikipedia which is uh, notoriously inaccurate lists him as 5'10 yeah, so Maybe five eleven. Goodness me, I thought he'd be bigger than that. Mm. Yeah, he's such a powerful man. I think he's one of England's key men, though. Actually, his handling is also really important. They yeah. use him as that first receiver. Way he hits. I mean, he's got the sort of hitting power, both going forward when he's running with the ball and tackling, that can actually change a game. You know, it can get the momentum on your side. I so. think so. The, the front row battle, I think, was interesting. Yeah, and it was one of the. It was an area that Jay, you and I both mm-hmm. flagged as. Um, Instant a, death for Wales. A, yeah, That's a potential weakness for Wales. Well, your words were Wales are massively outclassed and outgunned in the front row. 100%. And I backed up and said they lack the explosive power of that England front row. And Tim, you actually said to that point, this is 
This is one of those moments where it'd be good to have a marker in the podcast and just say because that statement could be proven wrong and could be proven quite silly, and it was because it's scrum time. Wales were never outclassed. But it's amazing. This is just amazing. Round the park, and certainly as the game went on, the Welsh only got stronger and the English only got weaker, more more tired, and, and here's gave what, more yards. And here's what amazes me. I go back to my comment about Thomas Francis. Okay, I mean, just look at the names and the talent available. I would have said that England... I still maintain England should have battered them. They, I mean... They've got so much talent available. Thomas Francis would, would never have even made the training squad. He wouldn't be an England player. So that, the, and yet Gatland is somehow doing this. He's magical. So the, it's an interesting one because as uh, Ben Darwin often states, mm-hmm. talent is not everything. No. Contractual stability is so important. And Tim, you flagged it last week on, in the quiz. The number of changes and change combinations when you compare last year's poor Six Nations team to this year's current England team... It's there's hardly any players. Whereas that Welsh team, there are combinations yeah, players right. Mm. right across the board who have multiple dozens and dozens of appearances at regional level and international level together. And that is something that I would So yes, you're right about the, the talent in the England team. Wales is a very talented team, but their their stability in that team is so important. And we've all, that's always been said about New Zealand forever, about how the way that they sort of gradually bring players through there's never a revolution it's just a yeah. always a gradual evolution and that, that's one of the key things that Gatland yeah. partly because of his lack of de- player depth but he has seemingly consciously that, done well, that. that that would be the test what would Gatland do if he had all of the resources available would he chop and change more or would he actually keep the combo would he stick that would be interesting to know because he doesn't have a choice with well, Wales yeah well the other thing Ben Darwin said not to link everything to Ben Darwin but we may as well as we're here is uh, you pointed out examples of where a limited player pool actually meant that you had to go and pick the same team over and over again. Yeah. So you know what England's perceived strength maybe it's weakness, but I yeah you know, I sort of it, it's, don't buy that. I don't think I don't think man for man the England players are that much better oh, to to count and certainly to counteract the advantage that that stability brings. Mm. I think the stability is more of a factor than that the. the it's a 15-man game. It's not a, a game of individuals. Did uh, Ben Darwin point out um, that the Welsh team have terrible haircuts as a collective? Uh, yes, but he also points out that you know Golden Boy Tom Curry has also got a terrible haircut. He's got, what's he done? Has he gone to? Did he nip down to Exeter Chiefs to get <laughs> oh, their no, to get I, their barber to do his hair? No idea. But, <laughs> what's um, he playing at? Yeah, uh, I'll have to have a. Um, have a chat with him next. Yeah, definitely. I do want to chat about Tom Curry for a little bit. Yeah, well, before that, just just to keep, conclude my points on the on 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 a male grooming. Adam, <laughs> Adam Beard not having a beard massively disappoints me. Yeah, yeah. It, it, What's it, the opposite of nominative determinism? Yeah, what is the opposite of that? The, <laughs> the best example of which this week was the new yeah. boss at Nintendo well, being Mr. Doug Bowser. Doug yeah. Bowser is incredible. I came across. I was. Uh, Looking for a haircut this week, I came across a barber's called Mr. Beardmore's Barbers. Oh, really? Which is another good example of uh, nominative determinism. I think I've heard of that. It's in the northern quarter in Manchester. Hmm. Is there um, a, a, a rugby nominative determinism 15 would be good, like Marcello Bosch is what is <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> um, and, oh, there was, wasn't there one that's like a, a speed, like a, a fat... Um, oh. Well, okay, so I know it's not exactly nominative... No, Say it for me. 
nominative, nominative determinism. determinism. But any man named after named after a battleship playing rugby, <laughs> Bismarck, yeah, Bismarck right. you know, yeah, you, you, so, you're gonna be either in charge of the country or a rugby player. So for anyone yeah. thinking we've gone insane and doesn't know what we're talking about, nominative determinism is the the theory that you will be you'll gravitate towards roles, jobs. Uh, hobbies, whatever, mm. that are associated with your name. Well, the, the, the person who won the Brit's Critics' Choice uh, at the Brit Awards this week was uh, so is a guy called Sam Fender, which uh, is the name of a, the, guitar. the guitar brand. And yeah. he plays a guitar. What does Michael Fassbender do? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's move on. Tom Curry, oh my goodness. So, I could I could get the Brokeback Mountain music back out for, for Tom Curry when we're talking about him like we used to for Jacques Berger. That was a hell of a performance. He's hell a good player, of, isn't he? Hell of a performance. He was... Um, and yeah, there's two of them. He, he was, remember that? He, so him and Sinclair really stood out for me in that, that pack, that England performance. I think they were by far the best two players. Mm. Uh, both topping the, the tackle stats. Courtney Law's not far off. Courtney, Courtney Law's was good, but not to the, I don't think no, to the same, the same level. And Curry was just... He was everywhere. He was absolutely everywhere. Against a team that was... Not having the territory, not having the possession, and what little possession England did have, they kicked away poorly. But yeah, re- really impressed by him. And we've said it so many times: twenty. And I know, only twenty. There's two of them, I know. And, ben, and like Ben I know. Curry can't. The, the the gap between Ben and Tom Curry can't be that big. It's and in not. fact, listen to what when, 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 they love. Yeah. They love Ben Curry. And when he first came into the uh, into the England squad, it was it was uh, Tom Curry got only got a cap because Ben Curry got injured. So I've heard some against Argentina, wasn't it? But I've yeah. heard Ben Curry was named to play, got injured. Tom Curry came in and played. I've heard some really interesting stuff about how Eddie Jones rates the two. And he obviously rates one much higher than the other. I don't need to tell you which one because one got picked. <laughs> but like he thinks there's a market difference. Now, sales sharks do not think that what whatsoever. Like they they literally one A and one B. I want to call him Bench Curry. Just bench have him <laughs> Bench Curry, Tom Curry, Bench Curry. Mm. Now, man of the match was Liam Williams. Given to Liam Williams, mm. I think one hundred percent. I think as well as. Curry played as well as Sinclair played, as well as Navidi <laughs> and Tipperick, as well as Bigger, who was sensational when he came on. Josh Adams, who finished that try beautifully. Josh Adams from Worcester. How long would it be till? How long would it, <laughs> would it take Eddie, Eddie Jones to pick Josh Adams if he was available to, <laughs> uh, to England? That's a great question. Nine but years. It, but Liam Williams was just absolutely superb. He was so solid, so secure under the high ball. And returned it with interest every time as well. Yeah, if uh, when they had their little face to face handbags again, if Manu Tuolangi had done a punch like he did on Chris Ashton back in the day, I was I was sort of watching that going. I reckon Liam Williams wouldn't go down either. No, he's a, such he's a hard so man. Hard. Oh, he? He's seriously hard. Um, <laughs> it sort of annoys me. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, certain rugby pundits are always talking about, you know, oh, it's disgusting, he's struck him with a closed fist, or so on and so forth. But as soon as there's a fight video that fight video that goes round, they are the first they are the first they are the first to share it. And it kind of makes you think, I know we can't go back to the days of fighting. <laughs> but it wasn't that long ago that Ian Goff was wrestling on the floor with Paul O'Connell. Did you see that one? Yeah, that, that, that video was, was fantastic. Sidoli, oh, Robert Sidoli, two thousand and four yeah. or five. I think yeah. like 
we all we all toe this stupid line of saying, "Oh, it's awful. Oh, the game needs to." Move oh, you on. can't do that. Oh, it's, it's a bad advert yeah. for the game. Let's, no, let's just be very clear. Uh, we keep talking about appealing to the, to you know a wider spectrum of the population. Well, let's be honest. We're not really doing that. You know, viewing figures aren't really going up. Not many people more are going to, to games. So why don't we just appeal to the people that we've always appealed to and uh, roll back the years and let uh, Robert Sadoli and Paul O'Connell fight again? Or uh, I think you can appeal to new people by having the odd little dust up in this hugely physical game, and then and then shaking hands at the end of it yes. and going, "Thank you, sorry, sir." Well, ha- hang sorry, on a minute. Sir. Hang on a second, right? So if I'm this neutral, which I want to you know drag into the game to watch. Am I going to go away thinking, oh my god, that was a wonderful pass, I'll definitely come watch that again. Oh, I love skills. Skills, skills, skills. Because apparently skills are the things that, that we need. Or am I going to go, that was an amazing fight, I want to see more fighting. <laughs> well, I, uh, how, how many, uh, have you ever watched ice hockey? Yep. Like, like, have you ever been to an ice hockey game? No. Uh, no, never uh, We did watch ice hockey for a whole afternoon I used, in Brooklyn y- once. Well, yeah. But uh, so I, I've been to ice yeah. hockey, I've been to ice hockey a few times in America and I used to, I used to watch it like in the UK. And I'm dis. I, the times I've been and not seen a fight, I'm disappointed. I felt shortchanged. <laughs> yeah, I would. Well, do you know we've got a strangely strong ice hockey scene in the northwest? Do we? Yeah, we've got Altrincham. Uh, they've got a team. I'm sure we've got um, Manchester Storm. Or Manchester something? Manchester Storm used to play at the MEN. Do they still exist? Maybe. Um, well, a certain media man who no longer works in rugby union. Used to work at one of the. Um, it was always the, the two big Ooh. teams in there. It was always Sheffield Steelers, Sheffield Steelers. And, uh, and Cardiff Devils. I'd, I'd be up to go, for going to a um, Birmingham Bears. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's not Manchester Storm. Manchester Storm. I'm sure yeah, they play they, in Altrincham. They play at Planet Ice in Altrincham. We should maybe, maybe we should go and watch that. Yeah. Jump on the tram. Jump on the tram. Few few beers in Altrincham Market. Lovely. Now maybe I'm slightly different and slightly boring. No, <laughs> the I, fight, I would not have that said about you. The fight just doesn't. It doesn't interest me. I would much rather if someone if there's a bit of niggle. I'd much rather a, a massive legitimate hit. Like remem- I, remember, this, this Josh is, Lucy on yes, yeah. Um, Matt, was it Matt Rogers? Matt Rogers, yeah. That hit. Uh, do you mean within the context of the game, or you mean off the ball? No, no, within the context of the game. So that hit was that hit is a perfect example. Mm. There was a bit of niggle off the ball. Matt Rogers, I don't know. Gave him a wet willy or something like yeah. that. Riled up Josh Lucy. Next time the pass comes out, he just it was it was a hospital pass slightly above his head, and Josh Lucy just opened his rib cage up. It's yeah. absolutely brilliant. I'd much rather see I, that. Look, I agree with you, right? But if the threat of the fight is, is isn't there, you can't understand how people would would react. So yeah, you sort of take away the ability for the cool reaction. So anyway, look, we're not going to go back to well, fighting. You just reminded you, you. No, we're not. We're not going to go back. Yeah, and, and there's going to be. Uh, you don't take play welfare uh, seriously. But, but so you want to put people in hospital then? Yeah. No, God, do one. Um, right. <laughs> so, but you just reminded me when you talked about a wet willy. That one of the best bits that uh, a mate of mine sent me a little. Clip. I don't know where this is from. Actually, he didn't say where it's from, but he just sent me a bit of text that came off some website or newspaper or something. Uh, an account from Andy Powell of the 2010 England Wales game. England won this particular game. And he was talking about the banter that used to happen between the two sides during games. And uh, Andy Powell said at Twickenham in 2010, England were wearing their centenary shirts. The first time the two sides had met since the Lions tour. And I was at the bottom of a ruck when my mate Tim Payne, the England prop, was tickling my balls and said, hello, Schnell, which was a catchphrase (laughs) from the South Africa tour. So at the next ruck, 
I tried to tick all the balls of Simon Shaw, who had, who had also been on the Lions tour. But Dylan Hartley knocked my arm down saying, come on. And I, and I was like, come on. I was only trying to get him back. You couldn't do that nowadays. I would probably be locked up if I did it now. <laughs> it was just a bit of fun. It is a bit of fun. And all those boys play with each other. That's what you forget. Andy Powell was at Wasps at, yeah. at, at the time. So, oh, oh well. I hope you're happy, everyone. <laughs> so, uh- Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Um, so, when did everyone watch this game out of interest? I was at home watching it with uh, young Thomas, who was in his England kit. Good. Was he? Excellent. He, he was. He was in an England kit and he's already heartbroken. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> one game, one Did he loss. Cry? He cried. Uh, during, it might have been unrelated, but yet there were there were tears. Some, sometimes some correlation tan- is causation. Yes, exactly. There's mm. tantrums. Yeah, um, I had well, I had a great game day. In fact, I've had a great rugby weekend. There's so much rugby this weekend. T- tell us about Saturday first. So Saturday, uh, I met my dear friend Alex Ellis, who will be joining us uh, in our veterans rugby. Uh, more on that in a minute. More, more, more on that later. Uh, we went to um, a little, a little place in um, in Didsbury where we treat ourselves to you know a, a, a bite to eat whilst watching the France game. Uh, and watching France win, it makes you fall in love with rugby all over again. I mean, they were so they were so French. And we'll, you know, we so talk- French, crossed the line seven times, only score four tries. <sighs> they're, they're brilliant. Dis- disallowed tries from eighty yards. And they're just uh, brilliant. I, I don't care what anyone says or how bad they are. They're brilliant. Um, <laughs> Uh, then we lined up some Negronis. We had a oh, yes, uh, those disgusting drinks. Yep, yeah, a bottle of uh, more, uh, of more, more of Sauvignon Blanc. Your your particular favourite film. I do quite uh, like a Sauvignon Blanc. We had some fig martinis, which which were quite nice. Fig martinis. Yeah, and then sounds look, too sweet for me. It's very sweet. I like the driest martini Most possible. Disgusting one possible. S- super dry. Well, strange enough, we finished off with some pudding wines, dessert wines. Uh, yes, and. They are disgusting in their own unique way. I hate dessert. It's wine. like drinking syrup. Yes. What, what dessert did you have them with? Well, okay. So here is the um, here's here's where it gets very controversial. I think pudding wine is in replacement for or dessert wine is in replacement for in, dessert in lieu of pudding. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas my dear friend Ali said it was to accompany pudding. Now these are real issues. This is a big issue. Yeah. Where do you boys stand on this? As an alternative. Agreed. I wouldn't have both. No, it'd be ridiculous. I mean, I would never have a dessert wine. But I, I might have a dessert wine with well, some cheese, mate. Well, maybe. hold on. So, no, no, I'm not with that, because um, 
wines get paired so this that is, is the, true wines what? get paired so like you wouldn't have something really sugary and then have have your Sauvignon Blanc no but you might have a, you wouldn't a have coffee really after it I don't think you should have sugary and sugary and that's no, what you end up yeah. with I, hear, I, hear, I do hear what you're saying but I just, I just assumed that it was made to go with it like you, you have your aperitif you have your you have your wines that go with the course you're having and then you have your yeah, dessert wine, wine with I your mean, dessert. wine pairing is a bigger rip-off than Valentine's. You know, someone invented Valentine's out of nothing. Wine pairing is one of the largest rip-offs known to man. <laughs> like, it makes no difference. It makes no difference. Have the drink that you like, regardless <laughs> of the colour of your meats. And if anybody needed any um, confirmation that rugby is a middle-class sport, just listen to the last few minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I watched my I watched whole in, uh, France-Scotland game. Just, just out of interest. On my phone. When you were having these dessert wines, where did you park your Maserati? <laughs> uh, I left it at the stoop and walked over. <laughs> free parking at the stoop. <laughs> it's the only free Maserati parking that I could, uh, I could possibly think of. Um, yeah. Uh, let's just talk about France Scotland in a second. Uh, because I thought France were... Just... An absolute brilliant shambles. They were amazing. An omni-shambles. Yeah. I mean, we talk about coaching and Gatlin and so on and so forth, right? I just don't understand how you could possibly coach these boys to do what they do. Well, as far as I can tell, they're not being coached. <laughs> they're amazing. <laughs> like well, they're doing a it's, it's it's a it's a bingo ball. What do they call those things? Yeah. The, the, what's the lottery machine? What's the lottery machine? Whatever. Guinevere or whatever. Guinevere. They're using Guinevere to pick the French team. Yeah. Go on, go on, Roman. Have a go at ten this week. So he was very good. I he thought. was he, the the young lads, the four young lads, Ramos. Um, Dupont, Pernod, and Untermach. Who would have thought to, uh, Dupont would play brilliantly if given a chance? Everybody but Jacques Brunel is yeah. the answer to that. They All four of those were brilliant. And they they were the difference. They were the spark in this mm. French team. From that, I can't remember if it was disallowed or not, but the kick through for Ramos, where he steps Maitland, beats three other players, goes through, couple of passes, Dupont almost goes in and then... And, Entermac yeah. does go in. So I can't remember if that was disallowed or not. But that try was just it was all those youngsters playing with kind of without fear, with complete freedom to do what they want playing to do. Playing like their dads did. Yes. Like, and in the case of yeah. how still, weird was it having Untermac and Hastings on the field? Yeah. It was weird. It felt like the nineties. You know, the thing is, it still works. These ways of playing, they still work. England are legitimate in some respects, which are their defence, I think, is like legitimately good. And yet, France, just out of nothing, con- like conjured a try against England. They didn't do the same against Scotland. You know, they they can they can do everything. And I don't know, I don't know if you coach them in this sort of the Anglo tradition, i.e., you get Gatland o- o- over there and you try and make them do things. Whether that just ruins everything, I, I just don't know. Or do that you need this hammered out of them because when you're in the opposition 22 or you're five metres out, you still want to be offloading everything. And by the way, I also thought that um, Bastro was very good. Uh, I didn't think it had the best game. It was well, well, it's, it's certainly a, a, the... I thought I thought it was a, a, some sort of sign of an impending apocalypse when he did a chip and chase. <laughs> no. Instead of sticking his shoulder down and running into someone. I mean, how do you prepare week in, week out, to face Bastro? Do you put a proper outside centre? <laughs> like, what do you do? Because you'll never see it again. So, the French team, they did play, they played some astonishing rugby, both good and bad, but more good than bad. Scotland did not play well, and Scotland... They were awful. 
So Scotland are missing the, yeah. absolutely key players. The Scotland A team, largely. Yeah, they're missing key players right across the ball and world-class. Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg are absolutely world-class players. And they're both up for the entire Six Nations, is that right? No, well, Finn Russell is, he'll be going back under return to play head injury protocols. So he might be fit for the next game. But he he failed the return to play in six days, which is the fastest he could possibly have done it. So he's got another two weeks rest now, so he should be okay. But losing Hugh Jones as well is yeah, a is a massive huge. So like three, probably your three best players in that back line for the past couple of years, all gone. And King Horn played well. Horn played okay. Hastings played well. But the, the difference. So from early on in the game, when Scotland had good attacking ball in the France half, Horn was taking it too deep. So Horn was receiving the ball too deep, which meant the French defence, which is historically not particularly well organised, no. was having so much time. He was taking it deep, and the guys outside him were taking it even deeper, which meant the French mm. defence just had so much time to read it, make a decision, move to where they needed to, and make the tackle. And so you ended up seeing Scotland kind of being worked slowly backwards, and then the forwards would get further and further away from the rook and they'd end up having scrappy rooks and they'd end so up being futile, a, wasn't it? a little kick through or they wouldn't control it at the back of the rook and it was all because they were being worked backwards. Not by any kind of exceptional, aggressive defence by France, just because everything was a little bit off pace and a little bit further behind. And I thought Hastings, when he came on, he turned that a little bit and I think Hastings, if Finn Russell were to be out... Uh, I think he would probably start the next game and you'd probably see Horn at 12. But it, it was mm. just, it was frustrating from a Scottish point of view because they look good. They started off the tournament well. They've got good players. They just don't have the depth in those good players uh, to to do it, to mix it on the bigger stage when they're missing guys. Mm. That's a, a fantastic summary of it. Uh, Tim, would you like to read uh, a message from our partners? <laughs> I certainly would, Joby. It's funny you mentioned that. Well, I, as you know, so the reason, one of the reasons that there's an extra edge to this Six Nations is it's a World Cup year. Did you know, gents? I mean, no. obviously, you know who the official logistics partner is for the Rugby World Cup. Well, logistics in, in Japan. the people that make everything happen by delivering things uh, on on time and precisely. The, yeah, the, the the company without which the World, Rugby World Cup in Japan 2019 just would not happen. Wouldn't couldn't get there. DHL, obviously, you knew that. I did. Uh, they've teamed up with BT Sport. The, the fine purveyors of Premiership and European uh, Cup rugby, uh, to offer one lucky young rugby player and a chaperone, so basically to offer you, if you have a, a young person in your life or or one that you can get hold of at short notice. <laughs> but legitimately. <laughs> yeah. is, it, is it wrong that I've entered Phil into this? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, oppor- you, right, the opportunity of a lifetime. So get this, a trip to Japan to deliver the match ball for the England v France Paul C match on the 12th of October. Yes. That's pretty cool. Now, you just have to have... That a, is incredible. You have to have a son or daughter or whatever, nephew, neighbour's kid that you can borrow, whatever. <laughs> borrow for an extended period of time to take abroad. Yeah. You absolutely prove that this is your child, sir. Yeah. All right, let's say son or daughter. If you've got a son or daughter, as I do, aged between 8 and 15, I'm, I'm going to be going and taking mine out to a paddock somewhere until we win this. Uh, <laughs> just have to send a photo or a video showing a great piece of skill or a memorable moment connected to rugby and go to dhl.com slash btrugby 
That's DHL, the letters DHL.com forward slash BT Rugby and upload it with some details about the child you're nominating. Uh, two finalists have been selected, but there is another opportunity for two more. Uh, but it has to be done before Sunday, the 3rd of March. If you want to be in with a chance to win, uh, submit your hashtag DHL Rugby Moment before midnight, Sunday, the 3rd of March. If you want to get that amazing trip of a lifetime do, to Japan and see your son or daughter handing the match ball to, well, who will it, who will it be to? Uh, Owen Farrell. That is a phenomenal prize. Uh, well, who? I mean, Marcus Smith. <laughs> <laughs> and it, God, why did I not have a child eight years ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. So, uh, and then obviously, we'll watch BT Sport Rugby tonight, as I'm sure you do, uh, to see the winner being announced. Maybe you. Uh, more details: dhl.com forward slash bt rugby. Yes. Um, uh, the the veterans rugby you touched on. Let's talk about that because that, that's. That's the other thing. I, I think this could be, we should. I think we should champion this it. and find a way to champion this becoming a thing. Friday night social rugby. Yeah, Friday night social rugby. So it's not something I've ever considered. Uh, I still play every Saturday. I still continue to I still want to play every Saturday. Uh, but Broughton Park, my old club, organised a match against Withenshaw, who were a relatively new club uh, around the northwest, and it's Friday night, which worked really well because there's a lot of guys who I used to play rugby with who, for whatever reason, is usually kids, actually. It's basically, as someone called it, guilt-free rugby. That's a very good way to put it. Because <laughs> you can, what you do on Friday night at 7, probably nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, it was uh, great. It was. So the concept is there are a lot of guys who have stopped or can no longer commit regularly to rugby. And the idea is that once a month or once a quarter or however you organise it, one club in a local area hosts maybe it could be one match against one team or it could be several teams playing 20 minute matches in a round robin sort of format under lights friday night jugs of beer afterwards it was tremendous fun it was and, and i just think it's a brilliant idea yeah. and as someone whose who's weekends are taken up i mean obviously i've still got it in me to play a, a, an amazing level <laughs> well <laughs> i thought it was more about who was putting you into space rather than anything else there tim yeah who were you the uh danny cipriani pulling the strings jb yeah, I've, I've got. I've certainly got a very similar short passing game to his. I don't have the expansive range. <laughs> Do you know, gen, uh, genuinely, I, I surprise myself at how good it, how good my offloading still is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but nothing about how good I was surprised me. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was fantastic, and I think we're gonna over the course of the the podcast to come. I think we're gonna try and see what we can do as a podcast to try and get well, other clubs on board with this Friday night thing, see who we can get involved to try and help make it happen. It's great fun. Yeah, if you're in the Northwest and you sort of are sort of age, you want a few beers, just get in contact. I'm sure we can sort out some sort of game. Yeah, well, I just think I think it's a, um, it should be a movement because, I, I, again, for, for the, yeah, for the, right, for the exactly. grassroots rugby club, yes, Saturdays are an important day, Sundays are an important day for minis. If Friday night a rugby club locally could be a destination once a month, yeah, I think loads really of beers would be great. Though. I mean, you've got the lights, a nice stadium. Um, the weather was the weather was perfect for it. Oh, it was great. Like, imagine if that was sideways rain. I'm not. I'm not showing up. <laughs> I'm not going. Uh, but it wasn't. It was absolutely, absolutely idyllic for uh, for rugby. Um, I was going to mention something else. Oh yeah, I was going to say we could we could maybe put out put out an egg chasers team. This isn't this is not an advert, right? But we've we have actually got a club shop opening next week or the week after, oh, which we'll yes. tell you about next week. Watch this space. Um, but yeah, we could actually, we might even be able to kit out a team in Egg Chaser stash, which looks struck, shockingly like, like Northampton stash. 
Beautiful kit, though. Yeah. Lovely. Great great colour part. On the front stash, some people have criticised that kit. I bloody love both Mm. of them, home and away. I love it. I like the collar, even. It's nice, but it's not all-time great French stash. I'll I'll go with you on that. I had such a soft spot for the recent Adidas French stuff. Although the blue was not quite the right blue. No. They've got the but right blue this time. They have got the right blue. I do quite like the tricolory detail on it. Yeah. I like it. I like not it. bad. I'm oh, sorry. I'm watching this on uh, <laughs> YouTube. <laughs> watching yourself while you're talking about yourself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Pod Podception. <laughs> Italy Island. Yes. Now this this has to be the worst performance I've ever seen that has achieved an away point bonus win. The island performance was so far removed from their recent high standards. Yeah. The, the last couple of years, like maybe last four or five years of high standards. Yeah, so far removed. And yet, and this is maybe one point, so familiar for island fans to be thinking a year out from a World Cup. Oh, have we already peaked? <laughs> Yes. Less than months out from a World Cup going, oh, did we just peak a little earlier? I, I love the conversations around this. I love the conversations how we were all so certain that the only model in the world that could possibly produce a rugby, a rugby team was the Irish provincial model. That was it. Nothing else came close until the English absolutely slammed them in Dublin. In which case, we should all have clubs now and uh, they should all be in the meat grinder ev- like. Like, like everyone. And actually, now Wales uh, did a job on England. We should we should all have clubs that are nearly about bankrupt. to go out of business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and, your, rubbish domestic. Rubbish domestic. That's the only way that you create the hunger. And with loads of politics rugby. and fighting, yeah. <laughs> loads of infighting <laughs> between them. Yeah. So, hmm. so uh, well, on on that more. on that point, uh, and it's a wider point, not specifically about this game, but the, this weekend and this Six Nations Championship. If anything, if any long term thing is proven is the gap between the top teams, certainly the Northern Hemisphere top teams, is very, very small. And I think the three better... Ireland, England, Wales, I think any one of those three can beat any of the other... By a good... Can beat the other by two or three scores on their day. If you get the tactics right, if you get the execution right, if you get everyone on their metal then any one of them can win. There are no foregone conclusions when, no, when And also, playing. you know, yeah, there is a separation now of those top three. But I, I still I still really rate France. The problem I have with France is they can do it in any game. I, I, I believe they can do it. They can also, in any game, lose by 40 points exactly as they did to England. And exactly like any given in the World, game. In, in the World Cup against um, New, <clears throat> New Zealand. You wouldn't be surprised if they did a job on England in the World Cup in that Pool C match. Yeah, or you wouldn't be surprised if they went out by losing to Argentina and England. Yeah, yeah, and England. yeah, yeah. yeah. Neither of those two things would would surprise me. I would be terrified of France. I'd be absolutely terrified. And if if France won every game in their pool, you guarantee whoever they're playing in the quarterfinal, they'll end up losing. <laughs> yeah. The only thing you can guarantee well, is, is the consistency of their inconsistency. Unless they're playing New Zealand, then they'll yeah, somehow they'll pull a win out of their ass. But hang on a minute, they've made the final twice, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, 87 okay 87 no, well then three times three times 2011 87 uh, 2011 and uh, when they beat the All Blacks in huh? they beat the All Blacks in no no no, no semi two, two finals two finals in the quarter they beat them and then lost to England in the semi ah right oh that was England that was, uh, that was 11, 2011 no, 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 that was 2007 no 2007 England South Africa no, no, yes. so what was, the, what was the what was the comeback one they sort of came back was oh, that, South that was against New Zealand in 
the one before was that, that South Africa? Was that ninety nine? Where was ninety nine played? It was ninety nine ninety nine was in England or Wales. Yeah, no, ninety nine wasn't the Dussatoire forty odd tackle. No, 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 that no. was two thousand seven. Yeah, but that also occurred in Wales. No, the ninety nine was the Christoph Dominici the era one. where they had the massive comeback against New Zealand. Yeah, yeah so yes. they went. They went to the final against someone there. Didn't they? Australia won it in ninety nine against. Uh, I'm sure it's France. I'm, I'm sure it is. That was a semi. Yes, it definitely was because if France would have won that. They'd have been the World Cup champions in football and in rugby. Australia beat New Zealand in the semi-final and... It was in 99. France. So France were finalists in 99. Three-time finalists. Yeah. So they are dangerous. I wouldn't, you know, they've got, they've got bit, nothing worse than bad teams with good players. Hear me now, believe me later. The worst combination <laughs> you ever want. Well, here's one question then. Sorry, I'm jumping sideways slightly. But what do you think of... Right... Jumping back to the Principality Stadium, but nothing to do with on the field. Okay. The the commentary team came in for quite a lot of stick when I was hanging around in that cesspit on Twitter. Oh God, what oh, were you doing there? Tim. I was so drunk by that time. And also, I was in the pub watching it. So um, I, I had no idea what... The only bit of commentary I've seen is the quite outstanding Sonia McLaughlin um, bit with Liam, with Liam Williams. So he ended up doing a post-match interview after all, didn't he? I've seen a post-match interview with him. Yes. With her and him. Yes. I just think maybe it wasn't done live. I don't know. Ah, uh, so okay. I, so, 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 sorry. So the, the clip you're seeing is, and it's quite unfortunate, and being in the position of doing interviews myself, <laughs> I don't think Sonia McLaughlin will have realised she was live. Right. So, you know, Because be... I think she was trying to talk to her director or producer. You're absolutely right, okay. But... And I do appreciate that. I, I think she's good at her job, blah, blah, blah. I don't, oh, yeah, I don't, and if you, have, if you haven't seen it, she's saying, he's not doing an interview, he's not doing an interview at the anymore. camera. He's not doing, he's not doing right. one. So, there's only... I'm not, the, the, the job is difficult, and to be really good at it, you've got to be actually really, really good, as you are, Tim. There's only a few things that you need to know. One is how to ask a question and remember names, and the other one is to know if you are or are not on TV. It's sort of like an electrician not understanding if the electric is on or off. You know, it's, it's, it's basic to what you're doing. Sometimes, sometimes yes, that's in your control. Sometimes that's controlled by other people as to whether you know or not. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could be mightily unfortunate. Yeah. But I would imagine if it was that difficult, we'd have loads of examples of presenters saying all sorts of things on TV, not knowing that they were they were on air. So it's unfortunate for it because, uh, you know, it, it, it's quite a funny clip. But Well, yes, and it can happen to anyone. And, and uh, you know, I, I've accidentally called um, uh, Scout, Scout Burger, Scout Brits. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you know, it, it, it can happen. Um, yeah. And you feel like you want the earth to swallow you up when, when, when you do it. Sometimes the worst one is when you say something wrong, but you don't realise you said something wrong in your head. You said it right. Yeah. Just, just continue regardless. That's yeah. what I would do. Yeah. Double yeah. down. Well, Double down. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Skulk Brits. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Skulk Brits. Um, Order them off. But, um, <laughs> but no, but uh, Liam Williams has a, He's got a, stutter. a, a stammer, mm. stutter. And you know, and as as someone who's dealt with that yourself, JB, you, oh, it'd be terrifying. You understand how how like that would be. Yeah, if you say, like, like, Kelly, Kelly Brown has, has dealt with yeah. that as well. Oh yeah, I mean his was particularly bad. Yeah, mine used to be horrific. It, it's not that bad any anymore, but it does still exist. I, I, uh, I can te- I can testify as the person who used to used to edit the podcast when yeah. we, when yeah. we used to, have to edit them. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, and it's actually one of the things that 
it sounds patronising to say, one of the things I'm actually most proud of about the podcast is actually where you've where, where you've come yeah. from and where you are. Well, I can honestly say my biggest fear in life would have been talking on national radio. I talk on national radio fairly frequently now. Yeah. You know, but I can tell you now, he would be terrified. Like, I would not... I, would, I, would, I used to never want to speak in front of a room. I'd never ask a question in a room. Um, I wouldn't even reverse the charges on a phone because I didn't want to speak to the operator because of because of my stutter. So I can really understand that he... If he says no, he says no. And, you know, he's either going to walk away or you know, he's going to have to deal with it some other way. I did think it was weird that the captain didn't intervene in some way. So that's a perfect role, isn't it, for a captain to do do that interview? Because you know Liam Williams at some point is going to get man of the match because he's ace. Yeah. And you should have a contingency plan for this. <laughs> yeah. So, you yeah, know, right. when you interview... Who did you do? Um, oh, I'm just, I just remembered... <laughs> you just remembered the same. <laughs> that's the reason I'm laughing, is because I just remembered the same thing. Yeah. So I was chatting to a Toulon player, man of the match, that was a Georgian that spoke very little English. I don't think it was Gore Godza. But anyway, and Lee Halfpenny was there doing the interview with him. And I was trying to ask a question to the Georgian who didn't understand. <laughs> so I put the microphone to Lee Halfpenny as if to say, go on, just, just answer it instead. Because it was a generic question. And Lee Halfpenny tried to... <laughs> Then repeated. Oh, is that what you? Yeah. Lee Halfpenny then really... repeated the question. I thought you were doing in English, but slower. No, yeah, he he, re- <laughs> he, re- <laughs> he repeated I the question. He, he was. I mean, Lee Halfpenny was trying to help me out, uh, but actually, I just meant when I put the microphone to him and just sort of smiled and went, "No worries, don't worry," and held it to Lee. I, I meant for Lee Halfpenny to answer the question. Lee Halfpenny tried to explain in broken, slow yeah. English what question I just asked. Lee, how's your Georgian? I thought he did it so Lee <laughs> would speak French to him. <laughs> Was that when, like, when um, so <laughs> yeah. Steve McLaren and Joey Barton have oh, both yes. developed like a French or Dutch accent Dutch. when when they've been working abroad? Was uh, Lee trying to do it like, like that? Yeah, basically speaking English with a slight French yeah. twang. Yeah. So live TV sometimes there's no hiding place. But yes. What do you think of the analysis? And what do you think of the TV crews? Uh, yeah, that's, that, that was a question I asked. So Jonathan Davis and Brian Moore, I think, basically got quite a lot of stick. I don't know if this is just Twitter, the Twitter cesspit, or I, I don't know if what you actually felt about it. I can understand some of the criticism. Uh, well, look, I didn't see it, but I can go off past performances of both of them. Um, Brian Moore in particular. I just don't, I don't know why I need to listen to him, frankly. Um, but I guess the BBC is stuck in its ways. They're not rugby experts by any by any stretch. Um, despite the good work of some of, some of the reporters, their actual coverage. I mean, particularly on the Wales team. I mean, it's so tense. BBC Wales, in fact, all the Welsh outlets, outlets are absolutely dreadful. Um, and I just think, you know, they've got an established team. They probably know how to work. You know, they've probably got work together. They've probably got his mobile phone uh, number e- easily to hand. And why, you know, and why bother mixing it up and trying to find new talent? You know, they've got these well, guys who've been doing it for 20 years. Because? Well, no, th- no I know why yeah. you should do it, yeah. but why would they? Oh, because, I, I see what you're saying. You know, well, it's not like they're going to lose sponsorship. Well, yeah. And I think rather than being critical of Brian Moore, I would actually say, what a great crack you've added it. And that's brilliant. Blue factory. It's time to, it's time to move this on. And in guys like Sam Warburton, who they are, they have sat there doing the the bits at halftime and the bit before the game. And he's great at that. Yeah. But actually get him in the bloody commentary box. He's, he's so good. He's really, yeah, really and he good. Have, and he's so fresh and relevant. I mean, yeah. I just can't understand what insight that these older lads are bringing now. Um, 
from when they played in the 70s well, or whatever. Well, and, and this is what I mean. I understand there's things that relate and things that... So I'm not writing off playing international rugby, playing at World Cup, yeah. playing in a World Cup final or whatever, but he's never played professional rugby. Yeah, he's never played professional rugby. I, it's not an age thing by any no, stretch. Not I mean, if you're, still, if you're still in the game... Yeah, you know, someone like um, Alan Solomons, for instance, would be a great guy to have in because he's been coaching all this time. He knows in professional rugby inside out. These other blokes just don't, and that's you know that's that's just how it is. And an interesting point occurred when me and Phil went for a beer with Rob Webber, and he was saying like a load of boys would love to do this, and get, and at BT Sport are very good at it. They always are trying out new people. Uh, new people. I don't know whether that is just because they want a new voice or they're looking for potential people to come in in the future. But they've always got a player on the sideline. They had uh, Van Velts today for Worcester. Uh, well, yeah, yeah but, but, but Ed Slater was the, was the, was, 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 was in commentary and was, yeah, he's great. Yeah. So um, you know, there's a lot and rugby's so lucky to have so many articulate, analytical, yeah. e- entertaining minds to, to, to pick. Yeah, and he was saying like, we'd love to do it. But frankly, these lads just aren't, they aren't, they aren't going anywhere. You know, they've been commentating for, well, pun, been pundits for so long. I think I would roll the dice a bit. But, the, you know, look at the difference between the commercial stations, i.e. ITV, and the standard, you know, the stand, the standards that they set there, and look at the, what the BBC do. And, you know, you know why it is. There's no point in rehashing that. We know we know why they do what they do. So yeah. part, part of me does like the tradition of listening to... Jiffy or Numbers, Brian, Brian Moore. Composure, it's on, on the right, it's on! Yeah. Like, Jiffy let out this high-pitched squeal when, I think it was the Josh Adams yeah. try. Like, it's on if they go right, it's on! Um, so part of me quite enjoys it because it's such a tradition. And part of me thinks, I mean, one of the best guys in BBC, Chris Jones, I think is really, really good. Yeah, I think he's very intelligent he understands he's not played at the highest level but he understands rugby really really well the ins and outs of everything and he, he can't do a great montage voice though can <laughs> he not, not not quite the same but i'd like to see him more and sam warburton sam warburton and martin williams i think are really really yeah. good as well i think they're superb uh, sam warburton's a, a blooming revelation yeah i think he's so good to the point where i mean, yeah. I mean really i mean how much of a revelation can a, a, a lions captain uh, a wales captain you have a watch yeah. you have a watch whenever sam warburton speaks the next person that speaks and it was martin williams did it a few times he went oh i agree with sam <laughs> everyone said i agree <laughs> with you, sam you put the hand up and go I just that's rubbish sam <laughs> what are you talking about it was about? like david cameron circa 2009 <laughs> yeah. i agree with nick yeah, it'd be um, quite a brave pundit. It's like, what? What? <laughs> but it, it is the the contrast between him and, say, Guska or yeah. Martin Johnson or Jiffy or Brian Moore, the, the contrast is is so stark. Yeah, I, I yeah. although I've said everything I've just said, I actually still really like listening to Jonathan Davis. I love the fact that he played rugby league and rugby union. Uni- but who yeah. would do that now? Who was the rugby league, rugby union crossover guy? Andy Powell. Andy Powell, yeah. Powell, yeah. Gareth Thomas. Gareth, Gareth Thomas. Uh, yeah, the, the, ben Teal. Ben Teal. Big Sam, that's who I want. But like, look <laughs> at, look at um, Flats, for example. There's a great example. No one, no one in like casual rugby fans knew, knew, knew who he was. And the whole sections of uh, stadiums sing for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, but why? But why? Because Blooming Good and he's, he's, uh, it, um, what eight caps for England, something so, like that. So it's like 
his international record is not uh, why so he gets one the job. In Ca- one, one in California, Churchill Cup. Well, there you go. Yeah. So, but he's he's but he's done as well as he has because he's entertaining, really informed. Well, the uh, other side of that, right, is he would finish a game of rugby and everyone goes for a beer and he bashes out six hundred words for Bath Chronicle. You know, you've got to work, and that's the other, and that's the other thing. With, with, you know, I'm just saying, like how he got there is um, you know, hard work. Well, well, you've got me, to work mate, really hard at it. I, I'm sure you know, and I, I, I don't, I never take for granted um, being in the for, fortunate position I've been in. But you know what? If anyone, and I've had people say to me, "Oh God, you're lucky. You're lucky." Yeah. Don't we? Well, actually, started a podcast when no one did a podcast, and we did it every single Sunday, even on. And I and I, I've told people a few times, times. Yeah, sometimes Phil would be working away in London and get a train back from London <laughs> just to do a podcast, and then he'd go back and like we'd finish it eleven o'clock at night, and he'd be on a five a.m. train back to London we'll on a Monday 3 morning. We a three a.m. podcast yeah. to make sure it's like um, yeah, uh, it's like the films. Uh, is it social media? Uh, what's it called? The Facebook one. And he's like, the servers never go down. No, 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 the servers don't go down. It comes out on a Sunday, and that, and that will be that. Yeah, we some of the times we've done it. Most. Most of the times when we've done it at three in the morning is because we've been out partying all weekend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that has happened too. But think how hard you've got to work after partying all weekend in Budapest oh, or Barcelona. So hard. To then watch five or six games of rugby to digest all that content. And sometimes we have to, some, some, sometimes, right, we have to watch rugby whilst on holiday. Absolutely. It's work, Jay. Yeah, we've some, had to interrupt so, drinking our beer to watch rugby. <laughs> and JB, you've done a podcast from a hospital bed. I have. After we being both, impaled on a tree. I did last year from you, a hospital bed. You did when I had meningitis. <laughs> Unreal. So you're right about, and and that's that's the that's why I'm sure if Rob Webber wants it, he'll go and get it. He'll, he will get it, yeah. or whoever. Yes. Yeah. But the point is, there there is talent out there, and Slater's. I think Slater's really, really good. Slater was good. Roll roll the dice every now and again. You don't just have to have Brian Moore or Jiffy because they've always been there. Yes, there are other guys. We do, we do need to say some more things about Ireland. All yes, said is yeah, not very sorry. Good. you're right. Well, they were, they didn't play well at all. They got the bonus point win, which is what they needed. It was the absolute minimum they had to do. Um, it was weird. This was a weird game. I don't know if either of you watched it in in uh, that much depth. I haven't watched it at all, to be honest. I was, I was. So the more clinical team was Italy. So Ireland in yeah, that first, Ireland scored two tries in each half. And they just kind of bludgeon their way over by playing incredibly boring one-out rugby, really. Mm, that's odd. Italy, their two tries that they scored in the first half were kind of half chances that they finished, but they never ever got any more half chances, partly because Ireland ultimately ended up controlling the game, but partly because, and if I was an Italy fan or coach, I would be frustrated at the ref because I feel there were some odd decisions at rook time and at driving more time that just stopped Italy getting a foothold in the game so well done Ireland they did enough but it was not a vintage performance at all it was actually reminiscent of the um, the Wales performance against Italy a couple of weeks ago which was just do enough just just get through it but don't be the best team and don't kind of burn your bridges for the bigger games hmm um, I think I think Ireland missed. So Bundyaki went off relatively yeah, early. Yeah, they missed CJ Stander, uh, and they missed like, a couple of big ball carriers. Those two in particular, but just someone yeah, but, to get yeah. them over the game line repeatedly. Yeah, I, I thought I, th- I thought Italy were 
were good, but ultimately disappointing. You felt you know you knew where this was going. They they need a kicker. I mean that's an undeniable. They left uh, what uh, three seven uh, seven points on uh, out on the field by half time. They missed the last kick of the game, uh, which would give them a, like- a losing bonus point, which uh, looks like it might just be inconsequential anyway now. It probably uh, will be. But. but on the plus side, they are starting to develop players who are pretty good. Uh, Esposito. And I uh, love that guy. Padovani. Yeah. The other winger, who is very good. It, it, it's a, it's, it sounds a bit patronising, but Italy did not play that badly. They just didn't have enough. They couldn't get that spark that caused those two tries. They couldn't reignite it enough times. Mm. Which, admittedly, they're playing against... Of uh, an island team that does the basics very, very well, and they had some dubious refereeing decisions. Do England play Italy next? Yes. Yeah, and Scotland last, both at Twickenham. Italy are in four, an absolute beatdown. They could well be. Well, they've never beaten England, have they? And I don't like the fact that it's the last game of the tournament because England put out their strongest side then. You don't, no, you don't finish. Second last game. Oh, sorry, right. I do Super, like that. Super then. Saturday, Island. Ah, so actually, I do like it then. So I hope England put out a weakened team. I'd love to see Italy do England, and that, no, just one game, just win one game. I'd I'd love Italy to win one game. I hope it's not against England. I like to see beat, like to see beat France. France, France I, the last I game, the Garibaldi could, Cup. I really yeah, thought they Garibaldi, could beat um, the Biscuit Cup. I thought they could beat Wales, but I, I was certain that they could. Well, you predicted, yeah, it, which it actually means of. <laughs> I was looking back, uh, of your predictions for England and Wales, not one of them has come off yet. No. You've, you've correctly or incorrectly predicted every single England and Wales fixture, six out of six so far. Perfect. Uh, I've, I've decided there's one reason why I, I 100% want Italy to always be in the Six Nations. Because um, we go to Rome, it's a, it's a, it's a great time to go to Rome. Rome's an amazing city, and they're... They're police escorts for, <laughs> for for the island bus. Oh my word, that's hilarious! That video, that is incredible. An absolute <laughs> lunatic in a Fiat Panda police what, car. What is he doing? There's no need to do. Uh, what is he or she doing? I should say. There's no need to do what they did. There's, there's more than two genders, mate. He, she, they, Zizer. Yeah, thank you. Mx. They, them. Yes. Uh, yeah, um, so um. Yeah, uh, I want them to stay there because a the police are cool, but even even, even better than that, uh, I I love going there for a drink. That that that's pretty much the long and short of it. Absolutely. Um, shall we wrap this up then and uh, do our domestic podcast? Let's do it. Yes. Okay, Obviously, will... tomorrow night we'll be doing our domestic podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, tomorrow of course. Monday night. Yeah. Uh, hit subscribe in that in that feed wherever you're listening. And uh, and yeah, you'll get the domestic podcast where we're uh, we're going to talk about the, the domestic rugby pro fourteen premiership. We're also going to have a real little sniff around in the Manutu Alangi trough. So join us for that. In the meantime, find uh, find um, Nos- rugby's Nostradamus uh, <laughs> at Jay Beardmore. I'm at Cocker. We're at Rugby Podcast. Uh, go and watch the video on YouTube and subscribe and all the rest of it there. And let the boys play. Yeah, so let the boys play. Okay, so... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.